0: Welcome to this episode of the Network Marketing Heroes Podcast, hosted by 38-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2, With Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Blissbrook. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's tools on BlissBusiness.com. It's my honor tonight to introduce... uh... A really amazing guy, an amazing story, fantastic speaker, an author, travels all over the world, runs in some of the great circles of network marketing trainers and speakers, and it's because he has made a career out of network marketing. Tonight we're talking to Wes Linden from the United Kingdom, and let me tell you a little bit about him. He has never had what he calls in the United Kingdom a proper conventional job. He has been with his network marketing company for 17 years, and it's the only company he's ever been with. He is the best-selling author of 79 Network Marketing Tips, 79 Network Marketing Tips and he'll maybe tell us where you can get that but i bet if you google it you'll find it somewhere uh he is a uh a speaker now and the first british speaker to ever grace the stage at the 3-day mastermind event in orlando florida he spoke in 2013 he spoke again last year he has an amazing story a beautiful way of telling it um and you're going to love the philosophies and the tips that he gives you tonight. He has uh, shared the stage with Randy Gage, Jordan Adler, Orrin Woodward, Art Jonak, Sarah Robbins, Tom Big Al, Schreider. Um, and he's done a MIDI tour of uh, the United States with Big Al, like opened for him, you know, like a band kind of thing. Um so one of the things Wes likes to put in his—he likes to tell people, which I think is an important part of our business—is you know there's so many people that get caught up in enough's never enough, and you got to get to the next 10 level, and you got to get to the next income level, and you forget maybe why you got involved in this business to begin with. And Wes hasn't forgot that he's taken 50 vacations just in the last five years. He's a professional soccer referee, and he's even officiated in the championship. He loves people, opportunities, fun, and the rewards of network marketing. And what he's been building for 17 years is a company called the Utility Warehouse, which markets uh, energy, internet services, and mobile phone services. And I don't believe they're here in the United States uh, yet. So Wes Linden, after all that, it would be really good if you were here, are you here,
1: <laughs> Richard? Yes. Uh, hello, hello to you and to uh, everyone else listening in on the call.
0: I still don't know how you do that. How do you get all the way over here to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, from the United <laughs> Kingdom?
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's the early hours here for us.
0: <laughs> it is. <clears throat> um, all right, buddy. Uh, what I want to do is uh, launch this off, and I want to uh, have you tell everybody your story and. Let's start with 17 years ago. Tell Mm -hmm. us in detail, how did you get introduced to network marketing? What were you doing at the time for a living, if anything? I know you were young. Um, And who introduced you? How did you know that person? What did they say to you to even have you come and listen? And what did you see in the presentation that compelled you to get involved? That's a lot, but take it
1: away. (laughs) It's a a great question. Thank you. Um, It's an interesting one. I learned about um, my business, as you say, it's the only business I've been involved with, uh, when I was 20. Um, However, for the previous probably four or five years, from about the age of 16, I'd always had an idea that I would probably want to be working for myself. Uh, I didn't see going into the job market, you know, corporate UK as as the way forward. Now, I had a self-employed father, so that probably helped because I saw him kind of running his own life and running his own business. And I was one of those kids who was always buying the newspapers. And in the back of the newspapers, we used to have, uh, I mean, we have them less now because of the Internet, but there was always adverts about making money from home and you know, how you could work from home and earn, you know, money by sending off envelopes and all these kind of amazing schemes that seemed like, uh, you know, seemed really easy to a naive kind of 16 or 17 year old. So I was always sending off for information about these things. And so I found myself getting contacted on a frequent basis by people who were trying to Entice me into to, to one scheme or another, which in truth, looking back didn 't actually seem that legitimate um, but nevertheless, it exposed me to the kind of business opportunity world. Um, I was going to kind of um, exhibitions events where people were talking about franchises and business opportunities, and it was through that that I met uh, a couple who were promoting a business that they were running um, and We stayed in not great contact. We didn't become massive friends, but we stayed in contact. I recognized their names when they would drop me a line, Um, and that's what they did. They uh, initially wrote to me uh, about uh, the business. They did leave me uh, a voicemail, um, albeit uh, we didn't have voicemails in those days. It was like an answer phone message on my parents' home phone um, saying that they were sending me something. It came through in the post, if I'm honest, I felt quite important because at kind of twenty years old you didn't you didn't kind of get letters really unless um unless you'd been naughty at school or, or, or at college or something. Um and uh this this letter came through with some information about the uh network marketing business um that I'm involved with now. And um we had this chat on the phone. They very much enthused me about it. Uh, it was a very new concept uh then the the company had recently launched um and they had actually based themselves on uh, the excel business which i think is very familiar to people in the uk excel communications yeah. um uh, in terms of being at that time just a fixed line telephony um provider uh, you know routing che- you know calls cheaper than you'd get them normally um But it wasn't necessarily the product that really excited me. It was the concept of the fact that you could do a job once and get paid for it over and over again. You could get a residual income, um, which most people didn't ever talk about, because most people do a job where they go to work and they get paid for it, and then to get paid again, they have to go back to work. Um, And that was what I was going to be setting myself up for if I was going to go into work as a teacher, which was my plan. I was at university at the time. I was studying to become a a teacher. I was doing an English and a history degree, but combining that with with a teaching training qualification. And um, that's when I found out about the business. So I was full-time at um, university or or, or, um, doing a a degree, uh, but found out about the business. Um, They excited me about it enough that concept of getting paid over and over again for a job you did just once and then building a network of people and relationships uh, and helping other people succeed. And the kind of caring teacher side of me saw that as a good thing too, but particularly good if by helping them you could then set yourself up with, with a, an ongoing income from uh, you know the work that they do too. So they invited me along to a, an opportunity presentation um, which was just a small gathering in a hotel. Uh, and uh, that's that's how I first really looked at the business. Um, I had a small, small challenge because at the time I didn't drive. I didn't have a car. I had <laughs> not very much money. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was maybe 45 minutes from my house to get there. But it was at a hotel that was on a motorway services. Um, and... In in the UK, you can't get there unless unless you've got a car. You don't walk uh, on the motorway or the highway, I I guess you'd call it. Um, You don't walk there. You can't get a bus or a train or any other transport there. Uh, Maybe I could have got a taxi. That would have been very expensive, and I just didn't have that money. Um, So I persuaded my dad that he might like to come along with me um, to to have a look at uh, a business idea. Uh, and I knew that that would be convenient as well, because not only did I not have transport, I didn't really have the money that it would take to join, and I knew there was a joining fee. Uh, and I was well aware of the fact that my dad had uh, American Express cards, Barclay cards, checkbooks, uh, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, well, this might be a good thing. Not only can I get a lift there, but he can pay for me to join as well. So um, so he came away. he came along with me on that journey. Um, to, to, to meet those guys and find out a bit more about the, the business opportunity. Now, I wouldn't say it was particularly a plain sailing journey because he was suspicious. He was unsure as to what on earth uh, you know his twenty-year-old son would have. Uh, you know, what was he doing having business meetings in hotels? Um, so I think he came partly to protect me. Um, and in the car on the way there. Uh, I learned quite a few lessons uh, on that very day prior to even joining that I've used to help me build my business now and to help other people too. Because in the car, he started asking me questions about what it was. And the truth was, I didn't really know. You know, I'd only had a kind of brief conversation with my sponsors uh, on the phone and read a little bit that they'd sent me. And in those days, we didn't have the Internet. We couldn't kind of check it out that way. There weren't online videos or DVDs or movies about it, so I didn't really know what it was. So I probably did what a lot of fairly new and inexperienced distributors do, which is just talk uh, and talk and talk in a very excited manner, um, probably speaking too quickly, probably making stuff up, but not because I was being dishonest, just because I didn't know what else to say to fill the silence. (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: So... You know, he was probably getting more and more suspicious and kind of, uh, you know, we parked when we got uh, into the, the, the parking lot there. And um, as we're kind of walking into the hotel, he said to me, so is it going to cost us any money? You know, how much do we have to pay to join? And I was thinking, oh, you know, I've done so well to get him here. <laughs> um, I didn't really want to get I didn't really want to tell him that bit. I kind of wanted them to break the news to him. Um So I kind of tried to, you know, whisper something under my breath in the hope that he didn't catch on to what I was saying and he, you know, just, we got into the hotel. But he was quite insistent. He wanted to know. And I told him that, yes, there was a joining fee. It was, uh, you know, a couple of hundred pounds, um, to which he didn't look impressed. And he said to me, you know, if you'd have told me that before we joined, uh, sorry, before we left, I wouldn't have brought you here today because it's going to be a pyramid scam. It will be pyramid selling. And I didn't know what pyramid selling was. <clears throat> I didn't know what a pyramid scam was. Um, but I got the feeling it wasn't a good thing. Uh, and <laughs> he didn't look impressed. But um, I think, you know, I made it clear to him that you know we'd driven this far. You know, we should at least see what it was. And I think he was curious enough to know anyway if only to prove to me that I had been stupid and, and duped. Um, so so we went in, and uh, it went from there.
0: And um, so how did your dad end up? Like, where did he end up? Did he so, help you get started we, financially? Did he talk you out of it? Did he join <laughs> and become your top distributor? What happened with your dad?
1: well we um we listened to the presentation for about i don't know half an hour forty minutes, which was the company present you know the company message uh then we had a long chat with my sponsor uh and my dad kind of asked quite a lot of questions um you know, I was kind of chomping at the bit i was i was you know dead keen, and I could see that my dad was kind of coming round to the idea too he liked the idea of um he liked the the concept of residual payments um but he kind of whispered to me you know we're not signing anything tonight don't you know don't agree to anything um and uh so as we were leaving you know we said we'd take away the application form and that my sponsor should uh, we'd agreed that he'd give me a call um the following week uh, we'd agreed a time and a date and um he did something that I thought was quite poignant actually he gave me an audio cassette tape um which kind of dates it a bit um it was the a company presentation on audio cassette now of course today we'd have an online movie or we'd have a dvd or something similar in those days they just had an audio cassette and he gave that to me and he said listen guys on the way home have a listen to this it's about 40 minutes long which you know seems quite a lot quite a long thing for a company presentation now but in those days it didn't seem so bad um and uh, that'll just give you a bit more information to add to what you found out today." And that was a really smart move because what it actually meant was I shut up for the journey home. Uh, I guess he knew either consciously or subconsciously that that it, my dad was better off hearing the message rather than you know from the company rather than me try and uh, enthusiastically talk him into it again. Um, so we listened to that on the way home. We got back, and I said to my dad, "Well, what do you think then?" And he said to me, "You know what? You'd be absolutely stupid. You'd be crazy not to do this."
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Wes, do you think there was any wisdom in giving you something to listen to for an hour that was a standardized tool versus yeah. your yeah. pitch? And, oh, and I- take a take a deviation from the story here, and tell us how have you utilized that wisdom in building your team?
1: That was an incredibly big lesson for me, actually, because you know, I'm always trying to get people to understand that we are the messengers. We're not the message. Um, the more we talk, the more enthusiastically we overbear people with information and hype, uh, et cetera, et cetera, the less likely they are to probably join. They, you know, the companies, our companies, have tools. They have messages. They have DVDs, videos, online, whatever it might be, that give a kind of pretty standard presentation. And I think our job is to to deliver that, not to be the message, for various reasons. Firstly, you know, a sponsor, uh, sorry, a sponsor, uh, a prospect is in their head, they're thinking, is this simple? You know, could I do this? And if the presentation that they've just heard is, you know, two hours worth of um, chat from somebody, um, you know, who's trying to pitch them, in their mind, they're going to be thinking, I, I don't think I can learn all that stuff. I don't think I could do it that way. This is probably not for me. But if they see someone who is just carrying through a fairly duplicatable process of okay let's watch this movie now let's watch this video or let's watch this online film or let me show you this and they're running through a standard presentation i think people think yeah i could do that uh, you know i know i've still got a, still going to have a job and i'm still going to look after my children and do my charity work and do everything else but i could find <laughs> i could learn pretty quickly to press a button or to divert somebody to a website or, or whatever it might be and that's what my sponsor did there he used a company tool uh to do to do the message rather than him having to be uh, the message so that's something i've always you know pushed through people uh and so i'm a believer that you know when you do a presentation to someone whether it's in a coffee shop you've got together with them you're showing them the opportunity or whether they've come along to one of your open evenings or your opportunity presentations however it is they're looking at your your business i believe that Pretty much, whatever they say, they should go away with a tool, whether that be a, a CD or a DVD or a website link. Because if they said yes, when they get home, they're going to have to explain to their husband, wife, or partner, who may well be the most cynical person in their life. They're going to have to explain to them that they've just, uh, you know, spent a hundred or two hundred or three hundred dollars on a business that they can't really explain. And all they do is is do what I did and over-enthusiastically kind of mess it up. So I'm a believer, you know, give them some protection. You know, give them something that gives them half a chance of getting through that first test. Um, So I'm always urging people when, you know, when you sign someone up, when they said yes and they signed the form, give them a tool to go home with. And tell them what it's for. Tell them, listen, when your wife or your husband or whoever it is asks you, pop this on the DVD or or show them this online. Give them a chance of getting through that first test. Now, likewise, if someone says, it's probably not for me or I'm not too sure, I think you should give them that too. For the same reason, so that they've got something to go back and think about and re you know, when they want to do their due diligence, they're doing it with a tool that you've given them rather than scrambling around the internet and going onto Facebook and asking people that have absolutely no idea about your business what they think of it. We'd rather they were hearing the message rather than uh, you know, one that they happen to stumble across that's you know, some despondent distributor from fourteen years ago that, that, that put something on a website.
0: Yeah beautiful. All right. Well, tell us about your start. So, how did you get started? Uh, you and I were talking earlier about your method of operation, your pace of play, which uh gosh, I think over 17 years what you get the global award for is steady eddy. Like <laughs> yeah. If there's a if if there's a tortoise that crushed everybody in the race it's you so tell us tell us about your pace of play how did you get started what did your what did the wise people in your upline teach you about strategy and about leadership and about enrollment and about coaching that paid off
1: yeah that's that's a great question i yeah you're right i mean i'm certainly one of those those steady types and and when when i go to um uh, events or hear other people speak whether it's from my own company or outside of it who are talking about you know absolutely killing it and bringing in hundreds of people in their first month or two i'm like oh wow um i didn't do that (laughs) I, i was kind of nowhere near that pace um you know bear in mind i was 20 years old i had no um I had no contacts apart from my peer, you know, other 20-year-olds, really. Um, I had no kind of credible business contacts or, or, or whatever else. Uh, and, you know, people, you know, I was finding that people that were older than me uh, weren't necessarily going to take me seriously. So I learned some lessons about that um, that I used in, in my business. Um, and I probably didn't sponsor more than three or four people in my first three or four months. Um, and you know maybe it was six or seven, but it was not. It was not great. I was not, um, you know, I was not winning the race uh, at any stretch stretch of the imagination. Uh, and so, my first year, I probably didn't sponsor more than fifteen people. Um, by my second year, I probably picked that up a little bit, and uh, you know, with, uh, probably got about thirty-five people in my second year. So probably fifty people, five-zero people in the first two years. Um, so it was averaging out a couple of people a month. Um, and my kind of, I didn't have a particularly analytical or mathematical brain, but there was enough within me to work out that if I just continued doing whatever I could do to the best of my ability, and if that was only a couple of people a month, then eventually, you know, I'll get to where I want to go. It may not be as quick as as I say, some of the people who grab the headlines. But uh, this was my race. I wasn't running a race against somebody else. This was my race, and it's important you win your race, uh, not try and beat people that you know uh, uh, have their own set of circumstances and skills. Um, you know, it was interesting. One, uh, uh, you know, my kind of mentor is a guy called Steve Critchley that's that's very well respected in in our industry, uh, and a you know a mighty top earner. Um, and and he said to me, he said, listen, you know, when people aren't taking you that seriously, um, just kind of maybe keep, play with them a little bit. And I'm like, well, kind of, what do you mean? By, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, look, when you're sitting down to do your presentation to someone who is ten, twenty, thirty years older than you, and you're twenty years old, sitting there thinking oh, they're looking at me like I'm a child, which they <laughs> probably were, you know be upfront about that and say to them now listen Richard uh, thanks very much for seeing me today I'm just going to run through this presentation with you but I hope you won't hold my age against me will you and then be quiet and what you tended to find happen and this 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 worked was that the person would say oh no of course not no of course I wouldn't be like that and it actually kind of brought them over to your side. And it was even better if you were presenting to a couple because they'd almost have this kind of conversation with each other. and They'd be like, no, no, of course we wouldn't do that, would we, Richard? No, no, Margaret, of course we wouldn't. And it kind of equaled the playing It kind of brought us onto an equal playing field a little bit. And I found that really useful. Now, whether it made any difference whatsoever, it made a difference to me in my head that people were now going to judge me based on the opportunity not based on the fact that they saw me as as a child um and i found that you know very useful but what my sponsors and my mentors with you know did magnificently well was they built a community very very early on they built something that i wanted to be part of so they were you know, we were always regularly speaking on the phone. They were checking up how, how things were going. They were asking me how a presentation had gone, even if it hadn't gone so well. How You know, what happened? What did they say? What did you say? And kind of coaching me on, you know, making me feel good about the fact that I'd done it, not beating me up for it, but kind of saying, well, you know, maybe if you'd kind of thrown in this angle, or maybe if you'd given them, a, you know, one of the, the, the cassette tapes, or maybe if you'd done got us got us on a three-way call perhaps or whatever you know maybe that would have helped and they would give you know offer that feedback and that coaching and mentoring um but they they were organizing lots of um you know community events they were getting us together as a team on a regular basis uh for kind of home meetings in in, in someone's kind of um you know uh, dining room kitchen uh, you know living room whatever so we were getting together regularly and starting to feel part of a community. And I started to feel that these people were my friends and they cared about me, and that was really important in how I then built my business because I cared about people. I wanted the people that were in my organisation to feel good about themselves, not feel uh, insignificant or that they were just a you know uh, you know a piece of my chess set or something. Uh, and so. I started to do that too. I started to build a culture, a community. I would keep in touch with people. I would call them up. And frankly, I didn't want them to feel that they didn't want to answer my call. So if they said to me, well, you know, to be honest, I haven't really done anything in the last couple of days or, you know, I was going to make those calls, but I didn't. I was never one of those people that would talk down to them or shout at them or intimidate them or tell them that their lives are always going to be dreadful unless they unless they (laughs) got over it Uh, and I think there are people who maybe do act in that way in, in our business and lots of other businesses and that wasn't my style at all I'd kind of try and make them feel okay about themselves but we'd kind of agree that yeah okay we're going to speak tomorrow or the next day and we'll try and look to get some of this activity done and if they were unrealistic about their activity if they were trying to tell me they were going to make a hundred calls and i knew frankly you know they were probably not going to make a hundred calls in a year let alone in the next day we try and kind of bring it down to more realistic levels because i'd rather have somebody who makes five calls and actually does it rather than sets themselves up for failure uh, and then you know does nothing and then avoids you know avoids those calls
0: Absolutely. and that's, something
1: that's that's a culture that's gone through through certainly my um, organization. There's a lot of home meetings. There's a lot of community building. Um, you know, the night before big events, you know, everyone's getting together for a team uh, team dinners, gala meals, you know, sharing, you know, hotel, um, you know, booking out 20 or 50 or 100 rooms in a hotel and they're all, you know, sticking together and um, becoming friends. And I believe that people – People can leave a business, but I don't think they leave their friends. So once they buy into that culture and community that there's some people that care about them and that want them to succeed, and whatever's happened in their life before, they're not a failure, and they can succeed at this. However badly things have gone in the past, however much stuff has been told to them by their family or friends or colleagues that they're not good enough, they felt safe and... and, uh, Content in our environment, they were amongst people that wanted them to succeed um and and I think that that's been great for getting people to stick in there long enough to make that break to get that light bulb moment to have that conversation with the right person who joins their organization and then you know sets it on fire uh, and that's been really important to us
0: so let's uh let's give people a sense of what that culture and what that pace of build created. So a couple of people a month, um, that's like 24 people your first year. And people may look at that and say, well, you know, that's not very many people. Well, no, it's, you know, compared to some people, it might not be that many people. But personally sponsoring 24 people that want to partner with you to build a business in your first year makes you, Wes, one out of, oh, I don't know, five or 10,000 people. It makes you so rarefied air, it's hard to breathe it. (laughs) So, you know, one of the things that I like to remind people of is you don't have to be a superstar to crush this business. All you really have to do is show up and be consistent and do what, 99% 99% of the other people are just not willing to do, which, yeah. you know, is just get some work done. 24 people in a year, you know, that's not working the business whenever you feel like it. That's not showing up to meetings when it's convenient. That's not calling people only when you think they're going to get in. You know, that's that's doing the business. And yeah. so at the end of two years, you got 50 people. At the end of three years you got seventy five, at the end of four years you got a hundred personally sponsored people. Now I know you told me over seventeen years you've sponsored over five hundred people, but seventeen years is a lifetime. And of course when you're making the kind of money that you make, sponsoring people gets easier and easier. The first hundred are the ones that count. Yeah. So, out of that first, out of that hundred people, and the business that you've built since then, um, what has that grown into in terms of, like, we were your your, your business is a very customer-driven business. How many customers yeah. do you have?
1: So, in my personal organization now, I have around sixty thousand um, customers who between them are using about 160,000 services. Um so you touched on what those services are, you know, um energy or power, internet, phone, broadband. Um so there's a lot of it's yeah, we are a very customer driven organization.
0: And 60,000 customers produce how much business for you a year and speak that number slowly.
1: Uh, yeah, so they uh, will turn over now. You know, this year that will turn over over one hundred million dollars uh, in turnover in sales.
0: Is that U.S. dollars?
1: U.S. dollars, yeah.
0: One hundred million a year.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's it'll probably be actually a hundred and about hundred and twenty million.
0: So, uh, I don't know, Wes. You could add this to your marketing material if you haven't already. But do you know that if you, just your personal sales organization, was a network marketing company in itself, like you were just a network marketing company, yeah, you would you would be in the top seventy five network marketing companies in the world. Yeah.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, <there you> <laughs>
0: You can add you can add that to your marketing spin.
1: That's
0: a <laughs> a free gift from me.
1: Thank you. <laughs> it does help and you, if you jump, uh, it does you help when you I offer. Said so. Yeah, I will I was gonna this is uh I don't know if this is English humor, whether it will translate or not, but it does help that we're in a power business, so you can obviously just go around to all your customers' houses and just leave all of their lights on all the time. you know. So, but, um, you know, that's, that might have helped. <laughs>
0: turn your turn uh, hot tub up to high and lock it yeah, on. And, yeah. That kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a good strategy. So um, um, here's a couple questions for you. And you may have already touched on it. If you have, you can go ahead and revisit it. Um, But tell these people, um, what is the biggest mistake that you either made one time or you made it repetitively? And when I say mistake, I mean something that you did that cost you dearly. And it either, either cost you an income or growth. Or it may have cost you in integrity, reputation, Mm. peace of mind, or even health. Mm. Mm. What's the biggest mistake you've made in building your business in the last 17 years? That is a
1: very good question. I I think I have spent, as probably all of us have, um, a lot of time on the wrong people. Uh, and not enough time on the right people. Uh, I spent a lot of time feeling sorry for, for people that I think really need the business uh, rather than worrying about those that want it. Um, you know, we we all know of characters in our society who are time and time again having bad luck happen to them. And I spent a lot of my time buying into the fact it was bad luck rather than realizing that they are creating that bad luck um, for themselves and them not taking advantage of a network marketing business that could change their financial future for them and their family isn't bad luck it is one of their another one of their kind of mistakes so I would put a lot of time into um, people that that just weren't interested, they weren't answering my calls Uh, they weren't turning up to events, you know, and now the flip side is that that does serve you because there are always those people who three or four or five years later, the timing is right for them. Um, And then they come back and they came back because you did put that time in and they recognize that. They recognize you cared. But um, I would say I, I kind of prejudged people wrongly. I would make decisions for people. I would think, well, they must need the business because, you know, they're they're kind of short of money or they don't live in the type of house I'd want to live in or they don't drive the type of car I want to. And I prejudge people. But that would mean I would also prejudge people who I felt had a higher status in the world or in life or in, in, in their job than me. I'd see people that had big houses, big cars, um, they, they they had senior positions in, in whatever job they did and I would think well they don't they don't want the business so I wouldn't offer them the business and there were t- there were times um there was more than one occasion there was many <laughs> it would go into the tens of occasions where I have gone to meetings, whether it be big company conventions or just the little um opportunity presentations and I would see someone there who was looking at the business opportunity or who had joined the business opportunity who I had prejudged. I knew them from my local area or I'd shown them the customer side of it, but I hadn't bothered showing them the business side of it. And they were people that were sensible-headed business people already successful in their lives who were recognizing that this was a good opportunity, that network marketing was a good way to go. And they make good decisions. That's why they're already successful. And they were sitting there in someone else's organization, in someone else's (laughs) team. And I'd be like, "Ah, why have I done this again? And then I'd be there kind of with my, you know, and I mean this respectfully, but I'd be kind of dragging a few corpses with me, um, you know, (laughs) who, you know, didn't want to do it, you know, didn't want to do it. But I'd be dragging them because I thought they needed to do it. And I had to kind of get myself out of that habit. Um, now, that doesn't mean prejudging the other way and then say, oh, okay, well, don't approach people that um, that aren't doing so well in life because, frankly, I wasn't doing, you know, that well in life. I had no money when I joined. I had no pedigree. But we're looking for people that are hungry <laughs> um, and have a desire. Um, and obviously... You know those people that don't. They're, they're, you know, maybe they're not for your business right now, uh, and and that was costly. And uh, you know, only last week w- one of those people. And by the way, I keep this to myself. I don't kind of, I don't let this out. I don't kind of, you know. But there was someone last week that's um, quite, a, you know, a, a successful businessman, a very successful uh, franchise owner, uh, run a very successful accountancy business, and I met this guy many times at a networking event and never, never showed in the business because I thought he was so successful that he wouldn't want it. And, you know, he's kind of tearing our business apart now in somebody else's team. And every time, every time he gets another little promotion, that's a reminder to me, don't prejudge people because they will join, but they'll just join in someone else's team. Uh, And that's quite a painful and costly mistake.
0: Beautiful. Uh, I, I imagine we could do a two-day seminar on that. Um, one of my favorite stories uh, around that, West is I'm sitting in a uh, three-day leadership conference. This is the company that I built the sales organization in a long time ago, but it's in New Orleans, and people are there from all over North America. I don't know, there's maybe a thousand people there, and you know, it's a high-level three-day leadership thing, and I was a, you know, I was a pretty high-level distributor, and I'm sitting at an eight-top uh, on the Saturday night dinner, and you know, fancy dinner and awards banquet and all that kind of stuff, and so I'm getting to meet the people sitting at the table, and this guy sitting next to me, you know, you know, what's your name? You know, well, I don't even remember his name, but I said, well, you know, where, where are you from? He said Florida. I said, wow, I live in Florida. I said, where do you live in Florida? He said Longwood. I said, well, no way, I live in Longwood. Uh, so uh, I said, well, you know, how long have you been in the company? He said, oh, I've been, I've been in about six months now. I'm really loving it, you know, and he, was, he couldn't have been at this meeting if he didn't have a, you know, pretty good group. He wouldn't have been allowed to come to the meeting and so I said, "Well, what do you do for a living?" He said, "I'm a mail carrier." <laughs> really? And he said, he asked me, "He said, what's your address?" <laughs> I told oh. him my address. <laughs> Guess what he said?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, He's I'm your, your mail mailman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh no.
1: I love yeah. it. I've had I've, I'd I'd have my, mom, I've had my, I've had my mother's gardener turn up at a training that I was running for someone else's team once and I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, I've had it. It's just nauseating and maybe we all have to make that mistake once or twice and see it in front of our own eyes to then learn from it but, you know, I urge the people listening to this, you know, try and learn from it quicker rather than, <laughs> try and learn from right. Richard's mistake and my mistake <laughs> rather than yeah, well, you
0: know, uh, Almost always everybody's got to they got to really get their nose bloodied before they get that one. the The one that I think is equally as painful is you invite somebody to take a look at your business. They say no, and they're very convincing, and they have very good reasons to say no. They they're not interested. They they don't want to sell. They don't. They would never get involved in one of those things. And they're very busy, and they don't have any money, and they got you know lots of kids, and blah blah blah. And, So, you know, you, okay, they're not interested. So you don't follow up on them. You don't put them in any kind of a contact management system. You don't at least, you know, stay in touch with them. You just kind of let them go because they said no. And, you know, then you bump into them three months later or you see them on Facebook and they're promoting the heck out of some other network marketing opportunity. Yeah. Yeah and you're saying to yourself, well, how did that happen? Yeah, I I guess it's because you heard no instead of not now. Yeah, absolutely. And you didn't and you didn't follow up and stay in touch with people because life changes and yeah. sometimes people have to get asked to take a look 8 or 10 times by 8 or 10 different companies before they realize maybe there's something to look at.
1: Yeah. You know, I talk about this quite a lot. I talk about this a lot, um, you know, in the UK. It's something I talked about at at the Mastermind in 2014 as well, about that concept of no for now. Uh, And now the extent to my contact management system, I I don't have anything that's particular. you know, I don't have any technology behind it, but I for years and years and years have had just paper journals, just, you know, just notebooks, uh, you know, uh, paper pads, And I write no for now on the front and the date that I start that book and the date that it finishes and add people all the time, anyone I've shown a presentation to, anyone I've spoken to, and try and add, you know, as much as I can about where we were up to in that process and why it didn't work out. It might be that they were ignoring my calls or they didn't turn up to a meeting or they just told me it wasn't for them. And I've I've tried... The years to keep that kind of system going it's you know it's not as complex it's not as clever as having something on my ipad or my phone or something i'm sure people have got some much cleverer systems but what it's meant is that i've been able to frequently grab one of these books flick through it and think Ah, oh, i know who I, I need to speak to him i need to speak to her i need to find out how that new job's gone or how their house move's gone or the children or whatever and kept in touch with people. And that has been a huge thing in building my organization because, like you say, sometimes people need to see something eight to ten times. You know, in traditional advertising, uh, you know, uh, companies that advertise on television, you know, there's this kind of well-known statistic that people, uh, that, that a consumer has to see something at least seven times before they trust that brand or product enough to even think about buying it. So... If that's true and that's what Walmart and American Airlines and KFC live by, then why do we think that we mention our network marketing opportunity once and because they don't say yes, that that's it, they're out? You know, if KFC or, or whoever, Walmart, lived by the same rules, they'd have only ever advertised once <laughs>
0: and
1: then right. they'd have stopped. And that is, a, it doesn't work. <laughs> um, yeah. So, it's, you know, we, as you say, we gotta understand that people's lives change. We're showing them something that's a little bit different to the norm. We're showing them something whereby they can, you know, change the way they earn money, earn income, live their lifestyle, which is so much different to what's taught in their schools and taught to them by their parents and what their peers are doing. Uh we're showing them a different ladder to the one they're climbing. And they may not be ready for that yet. They may not get their head around it. But the you know, they keep hearing about it every few months from you or you keep in touch with them, whatever. Suddenly it goes from being a bit strange to being, oh, okay, they're still doing it. Oh, they're, oh, they're making it work. Oh, my God, they've they've had a free holiday or a free car or they're not working anymore. Or the kids are going to, you know, a, a fee pay, in a, a private school or, or whatever. And suddenly they're in a place where they're thinking, maybe this is for me. And something that yeah. seems strange becomes okay.
0: Yeah, you know, you know another way of looking at it is, you know, you can you can tell your sales leaders uh, you know, how to do the business and how what the philosophies are and what the great laws of success are and you know, your upline can tell them and you know, they can they can hear it four or five different ways from four or five different people and then, you know, somebody comes in from out of town with a briefcase and a suit on and says, you know, what you need to do is not prejudge people, and people walk out of the meeting and go, you know what I got out of that meeting is not to prejudge people and invite anybody, and you're scratching your head going, hmm, I think I've told you that before. But people, you know, people hear, people listen in different ways. Some, You know, sometimes people need to hear the facts behind it, and sometimes people need to hear a story around it. Sometimes need people need to see it in black and white and other people need to see it in color and some people need to read it and some people need to hear it and some people need to watch it. And so the more ways that you can communicate the possibilities of our business to people and the more often in a way that's not obnoxious and doesn't make you a nuisance and doesn't make you hounding them, you have a possibility for you know people to say, all right, uh, I'll take a look, and you know one of the one of the key philosophies of Bliss Business that we look to spread around the globe is, you know, not to build, not to recruit and prospect the way most people in network marketing have done for sixty years, which is to go to people and tell them what they should be doing. You should be using these products. You should be involved in network marketing. You should be in my company, and whatever you're doing is wrong and it's not going to work and you know people do this even to the extreme of if somebody says no if somebody even says you know I don't like network marketing I don't like the way you guys do business you know we label them haters and and we just draw a line in the sand and the the foolishness in that approach is if you do it differently if you do it if you do it right your best prospects in the world a year or two from now are the people who are saying no right now. Yeah. Because if, if when they say no, your response is, you know, I hear you. I get it. I respect that you're not interested. And is it okay if I just stay in touch with you and let you know how I'm doing and what's going on? And maybe you'll think of somebody that you want to connect with me and, Maybe something will change someday, and maybe you'll just cheer me on. And you stay in touch with people, and every three or four months, you just, you know, just like you said, you flip through your your notebook, and you go, you know what, I'm going to just check on Wes and, you know, see how he's doing, see what's up. And it, it's mind-blowing how you can turn, um, you know, 500 or 1,000 prospects that are in your book after a year or two who have said no And you could never talk to another stranger again. You could get all of your leads, all of your prospects from people who said no six months ago, a year ago, a year and a half ago. But only if you treat people right.
1: Yeah, um, completely.
0: So tell us, Wes, Uh what is the smartest thing you've ever done?
1: (laughs) Um, Well, certainly, you know, what you're saying there is – is 100% true, and I'm telling people now that if I rec- if I introduce two or three or four people into the business this month, they're probably not the people who I just happened to meet for the first time in a coffee shop or on a train this month. They're probably the people i met in a coffee shop or on a train six months a year, two years ago, but we've kept in touch, and now the time has become right. The people I'm talking to today will, in some cases, be the people that join in six months or a year or two, and I think that was... That was really important. Probably the smartest thing I did, but it, it set up so many lessons for me, uh, and it's inspired a lot of people in my my kind of team and organisation. Um, very in my kind of early days, uh, whilst I was still very part time in the business, um, and I was doing teacher training, I was working in a school. There was um, uh, there was um, someone who'd come to the the, the school trying to sell some. Novelty items and books and stuff to the staff, to the teachers. And um, they'd left their contact details in the staff room area, uh, the common room. And I thought, well, I'm going to write down their name and telephone number and I'm going to give them a call when I get home and I'm going to tell them about my opportunity. Because that's what the training had, you know, we'd been told to do. You need to connect with people. Um, so I took his number down I wrote it down piece of paper in my pocket kind of forgot about it got home emptied my pockets a couple of days later I noticed it you know sitting there in my room and it said his name his name was Lawrence Wiseman I'll always remember that name Lawrence Wiseman and there was his name and there was his phone number and it was a big thing for me because I started to think well I don't know what I'm actually going to say I mean what we're going to say on the phone and Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll just talk for a long time and then hopefully he'll say yes um, out of sympathy or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but this whole process went on for a while. I mean, days. So I'd kind of make an excuse every day. I'd get to, you know, Wednesday and I think, well, I'm definitely going to call him Thursday. Thursday's a good day. Get to Thursday, I think, oh, no, no, no. I'll leave it till Friday. It's kind of the weekend. And then I get to Friday and I think, I'd, yeah, I'm going to ring him. And then I'll think, oh, no, hold on a minute. It's, his name sounds maybe he, he, might be, he might be Jewish. And so Friday night, I don't want to inter- interrupt Friday night supper, so I'll ring him on Saturday. And I kept making these excuses. I'd get to Saturday, and I think, well, if he is Jewish, he'd probably be in synagogue, so I'll leave it to Sunday. Then I get to Sunday, and I think, well, it's not the most kind of Jewish name. It, it could be Church of England or Catholic or probably. So he'll be in church. maybe I don't want to ring him. And I, I was making up all these stories that were just my story. They were my stories, they weren't the truth, but they were anything I could do to stop myself having to go through the pain of picking up the phone. And these days went on and I, I kind of in the end threw the phone number away, threw it into my bin. Now because I was young, Richard, because I was 20 and I was still living at home with my mum, I'd got to the stage where my room, I don't know if anyone would identify with this if you've got you know children in their late teens or early 20s, my room was so untidy that my mum wouldn't come into that room anymore. So if something was on the floor or in the bin, it stayed there until I cleared it up. So this number was in the bin. It was kind of looking at me every time I'd walk past the bin. And I thought, you know, that number, if I don't call him, I'm probably going to never call anyone. I, was, I kind of saw it as significant <laughs> that this was... Because in theory, if I gave myself permission to ignore that one, I could ignore every other call in the future. Um, And in the end, I just took the number out, I phoned him up, spoke to him, and to my amazement, he said, yeah, it sounds interesting. So we got together, and, uh, and I kind of did that dreadful kind of presentation where I talked over enthusiastically for too long. But the one thing I did do was I remembered what my sponsor had done for me, and I gave him an audio cassette tape with the presentation on. I left him with that and told him to listen to that. And we spoke again a day or two later. And he said, yes, yeah, I've listened to the tape. I really like it. Notice he didn't say, I've heard what you've had to say. He said, I've listened to the tape. Um, And he joined. And Lawrence joined. And he was one of, you know, one of my early distributors. And uh, if I'm honest, he, he didn't really do very much. He was very, you know, he was a a detail man, but detail to the point to which he didn't actually want to do anything. He just wanted to, to study um, the prices and the rates and do comparisons and stuff. Um, and in the end, I'd learned off, uh, I think I'd listened to one of Randy Gage's early cassette tapes. It uh, was certainly early for me about going back to people uh, and helping them, you know, contacting their list. So I said to him, you know, well, look, whilst you're still kind of researching and studying, do you know anyone else that might be open to other ways of making money and getting involved? Because maybe I could use my skills and my time and have a chat with them and put them into your team so that when you're ready to go, you've got an organization building. And he said, yeah, there's a couple of people that come to mind. And I'm like, okay, who are they? And he said, well, there's Richard and there's Elizabeth. And I'm like, okay, well, give me their numbers. And he's like, no, 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 I'll talk to them and I'm thinking, oh, this isn't going to go well because he's not doing anything and he's going to bore them so I said, look, at least give Richard one of the tapes like I gave you and he said, oh, you know, I haven't got any of those and I'm like, well, you know, buy them they're, they're, you know, they're less than one pound you know, they're less than a dollar and he's like, no, no, you know, I didn't join this business to spend money, <laughs> you know, I joined it to make money and you know, I'm like, oh so I leave him to speak to Richard and a couple of days go by and how did he get on? He said, oh, no, he's not interested. And I'm thinking, well, of course he wasn't interested. You know, you probably bored him to death. And I said, well, let me speak to Elizabeth. He said, no, 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 no. I'm like, why not? He said, well, you were dreadful on the phone to me, so I'm not letting you kind of ruin my prospects. Um, so I said, look, give her one of the tapes. No, I haven't got one. So in the end, I jumped into a ta- I got a minicab, got a taxi, and, and went to his house, gave him a tape, and got a taxi back. You know, it cost me like fifteen pounds, you know, twenty-five dollars or something to do this. But it was—it turned out to be money well spent because he gave her that tape. A couple of days later, he said to me, "Actually, she, she's interested. She wants to speak to somebody else. She wants to speak to my sponsor." And I'm thinking, "Well, of, of course she does. She's kind of realized, you know, how how bad you are in the business, you know." And um, she, I met up with her. Started to build a relationship with her. Welcomed her into our team into our community, got my other sponsors and mentors on the phone three way calls made her feel part of something and uh she did really well and she's actually now my strongest leg. she accounts wow. for about fifty percent of my organization um and that came from somebody else's contact. I would never have met her otherwise. So I think that was an important lesson to realize that it's not always who you know that's going to build you a big organization. It's who they know or who they know and who they know. So you need to get into your team. You need to get deep into your team, work with their contacts, find out who those people are, cultivate relationships with them, make sure they feel part of the, the, the business too because that may well be the person that ends up being your kind of ticket to freedom. And that was certainly yeah. the case with, with, with her. Um, and the, you know the strangest thing about this guy Lawrence was, you know, he he was so petty about you know one of the things the company did once that he decided to quit. He decided to quit the whole thing. Uh, and I'm saying to him, you, you've got this lady, this Elizabeth. She's doing quite, you know, she's doing quite well. Um, no, I don't care. It's a matter of principle. And he quit uh, over something that was like five pounds, you know, ten dollars, nothing, and he would now be on a six-figure residual income without having to get out of bed if he hadn't, you know, um, walked away. And that was a, you know, I just, when people quit, it just doesn't, you know, I don't get that. <laughs> um, so that was, that was costly yeah. for him. But the, the the key lesson really was to get in there, working deep, finding out who your people are, seeing who's got that glint in their eye, that sparkle that says, yep, I get this, and this is going to be my vehicle. And those are the people you want to get to and work with.
0: Beautiful. So um, let me wrap this up, Wes, by asking you, where can people get your book?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's available as a Kindle download, so just off, off Amazon. Um, you can get that, or I've got a website with some blogs on it. There's no... Uh, it's you know free to look at. It's weslinden.com, dot uh, com and there's got links to it there. There's a CD as well of it, uh, and you know people can click on there if they wish to, uh, or just go direct to you know to Amazon uh, and they can get it that way, or they can get it as a paper book again just through Amazon and, and that will come to them as well. And that is, to be honest, I, I wrote that as all the things I wish I'd known when I was starting. So kind of all the mistakes I made, but then how to turn them into, you know, uh, experience for you so that you can build your business without necessarily having to go through all the pain that people like myself and you, Richard, have been through.
0: Yeah. Hey, Wes, this has been a beautiful interview. Uh, We want to keep it to an hour. Obviously, you know, you and I could talk for three or four hours, and people (laughs) might even listen a uh, lot of wisdom there. I love your $100 million business. I love your pace of play. A couple of people a month, steady Eddie. And what happens when geometric progressions catch up to you is they pass you. And, you know, that consistency just turns into an explosive business. And, you know, in your case, it might have taken five or six, seven years for it to really explode. But... What a beautiful life and a beautiful business you've built, and you've you've pulled out of it great wisdom and great compassion and and a great way of articulating it, so really, really loved listening to you tonight and I love the fact that uh you know people will be listening to this um you know five years from now, maybe ten years from now uh if folks if you want to if you want your team to listen to it and they weren't on the call tonight. Sometime tomorrow morning uh, in Pacific Standard Time in the United States, maybe 10 or 11 o'clock, this will be up as a free um, uh, whatever podcast uh, on blissbusiness.com for 72 hours only, and then in a month or two, it will be available on iTunes. The first 10 of these are available on iTunes now. I think this is hero call number twenty four the first ten you can buy on iTunes right now for ten bucks, ten calls, ten hours of training from some of the most successful people in the history of our profession for ten bucks and And maybe you can figure out how if that's a good investment lend. <laughs> Well, Linden, thank you so much for your contribution to what I think will end up being tens of thousands of people all over the world looking to figure out how they, too, can build a West Linden business. Thank you so
1: much for joining us. Richard, thank you for having us, and I wish everyone every success uh, in the future. Good night, everybody
0: thank you for joining us on this episode of richard bliss brooks network marketing heroes podcast for more invaluable training tools such as audios videos and of course his best-selling books the four-year career and mock two with your hair on fire head to blissbusiness.com for 10 percent off your order use discount code hero at checkout if you're serious about building your business make sure to subscribe to richard's blog for all the latest tools and articles